Hey everyone, and welcome to Food for the Future, where young people are serving up action for change. I'm Lindsay, your host and the head of culture at the World Food Forum, a global network empowering young people from around the world to transform agri-food systems. This podcast is made in collaboration with Kitchen Connection, an organization empowering global citizens with the knowledge to contribute to a better food system. I'm thrilled to welcome our latest guest on the Food for the Future podcast, Dr. Leslie Lytle. She is the president of the board of directors of the Danone Institute of North America and an adjunct professor at the Gilling School of Global Public Health at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Welcome, Leslie. We are so excited to have you here today. I would love to hear a little more about you, your background, and how you got involved in the agri-food system space and how that kind of plays into the work that we're both doing. Yeah, well, thanks, Lindsay. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm so excited about the mission of your group. Um, it, sounds, uh, it sounds like a, an exciting um, uh, project that you are all working on, and, and I'm happy to uh, be part of your podcast today. Um, as you mentioned, I'm an adjunct professor um, both at the University of North Carolina Gilling School and also at the University of Minnesota. And my research over the past 30 years has really focused on nutritional health in communities. So um, my research has primarily been community-based interventions to either improve um, the diet of individuals, um, often through school and community interventions, I've also worked on improving physical activity in adolescent girls um, and also done some ideologic work to try to understand what are the factors, um, not only in our own beliefs and attitudes and knowledge, but also the environmental factors that impact the health of populations. So while my background is, is very much, um, I have a new background in nutrition, my PhD is in health behavior, all of my work and energy has been focused on public health. So very grounded in the idea that the best place to keep people healthy is to um, have healthy communities. So how do we create communities, both uh, social, spe- uh, sp- social spaces, physical space- spaces, opportunities, so that people can make the best and healthiest choices for themselves? That's incredible and sounds really amazing. So for the listeners who are not familiar with the work of the Dunn Institute, could you tell us more about your mission and maybe even some specific examples on how you're impacting and aiming to transform agri-food systems in North America and maybe even beyond? Sure. So um, I've been with the Danone Institute of North America, which is a nonprofit 501c3 um, of the Danone Food Company. And for a very long time, our primary mission was around um, enhancing nutrition leadership. So our initiatives used to be around um, bringing in uh, young academics and, and doing some training with them on how they could become leaders in the field. And that initiative was great. Um, we did that for decades. But when the Danone Company became the largest B Corp in the world, Um, Several years ago, the company came to us and said, it's time to change the mission of the Danone Institute of North America, because as a company, we're really starting to focus 
on food sustainability and incorporating the health of the health of people and the health of populations. So we would really like you to rethink the main initiatives for for the Dannon Institute of North America, um, which provided us just a great opportunity to sit back and think about what would be another way that our nonprofit board could contribute um, both to the company's mission as well as to population health. So we created um, the Sustainable Food Systems um, Initiative. We used to call it One Planet, One Health Initiative. And um, this initiative is focusing on bringing together community stakeholders to identify a community-based approach to improve both the health of the community as well as um, the health of our planet um, through either agricultural projects or um, understanding food waste or whatever, uh, whatever seemed to resonate with, with, within a community. That's fantastic. And you mentioned that Danone is the largest B Corp in the world, which is absolutely astounding. And personally, I think for me, it's also quite comforting because so many of you know the big food companies uh, globally today are not making such a big effort to be sustainable or to even get certified as a B Corp since they're just producing and making profit on such a large scale. So could you tell us a bit more about what it means to be a B Corp and what kind of things Danone is doing differently in comparison to some of its less sustainable competitors and maybe even explain how that connects to your work in the Institute? Yeah, well, I'm actually not the best person to explain all about a B Corp, but I can tell you some some of the highlights. So a B Corp um, is a is a corporation that says we are more about we are more than just about profit. Profit, of course, is going to be the, the major thing for communities. But a B Corp says we also care about the health of our employees. We care about the health of the farmers that help produce the food. We care about the health of planet. And so, when you have a broader perspective like that, then the company is basically saying we care about more than profits. We want to do good in the communities that we serve, which um, I've always felt in my work with Dannon that that has been a commitment. They've always been very social, had, had a very strong social consciousness, but um, this moving to a B Corp really took it to another level. Now, I disagree. I think you are the perfect person to explain that to us. You did it in a concise and easy to understand way. So thank you very much for clarifying. And I know there are a couple of very specific projects that you're working on. For example, the Perennial Health Project and the Food Waste Reduction Project. Could you tell us a little more about those and your work on diversity and food waste reduction? Sure. Um, let me talk first about broader how how the um, how the initiative has worked. Um, we have already funded um, nine community groups across two different initiatives, um, and we are just about to fund um, another our third set. So in 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 all of these cases, the application asks for um, ideas that are community centric that involve a 
a variety of stakeholders from a community um, and involve an idea that comes from the community that says this could this idea could make things better for the community, either through improving health or improving um, access to local farmers um, or in some way enrich, enrich our community. So uh, you mentioned two. Um, the first one you mentioned was the, the uh, project from Minneapolis. And um, in Minneapolis, which is where I live, um, th- we, we received and funded a project that actually came from um, our, um, our, the Minneapolis Department of Health, but it involved two local nonprofits that were very much involved with community nutrition activities, um, as well as an architect from the University of Minnesota. And their project was to say, you know, we have community gardens and those are well used in our very urban areas. But in Minneapolis, those community gardens only work from about May until September. So their project involved um, getting money from um, as part of their their funding to build a um, to build a four seasons greenhouse. Um, the idea in two in two different community locations, very urban community locations. And the idea was not just that we could produce food in these locations, but these gardens had become a community gathering spot. They had become a place of, of calmness and refuge and quietness in a very, very urban setting that uh, people missed during the winter months. So Dannon, um, our, through our, um, um, our uh, Sustainable Food Systems Initiative, we funded the project where they could build two of these um, 24 uh, or 12 month greenhouses and start to um, encourage year round uh, gardening options. The other one you mentioned um, happened at University of Guelph. Um, and in this case, they were doing something a little different. Uh, this was a case where um, a researcher from University of Guelph uh, had the idea of doing a uh, of doing an intervention with families around reducing home food waste. So Dr. Jess Haynes used this money to uh, develop a pilot intervention where she developed intervention materials for families around good ways to reduce food waste while you're feeding your family and keeping them happy. And she recruited a cohort of families and did a pre-post test to see how well this intervention actually worked in reducing home food waste. So this was much more of a researchy kind of project where she collected food waste before the intervention and after the intervention and actually actually saw evidence that her intervention actually helped decrease food waste. So in this case, she was using our money as a pilot money for a larger research trial that I believe that she's applying for right now. So those are two, those are two examples. What an incredible story. And I love that you are kind of combining those two things. I personally have a home garden on my balcony here in Rome because we have some warmer weather almost all year round. So I can grow something most months. Um, But in that regard, I have it a lot easier than the people in Minneapolis. And I love to hear that you're combining the growing your own food with trying not to waste your own food. Because I think when you're growing it yourself, it really helps you understand the sacrifice and the work that actually goes into 
you know, growing that tomato or the carrot or whatever it is. Um, and so I think it helps you to appreciate your food a lot more and makes you want to waste it less because you have a direct involvement in how it came to be. Uh, do you have any specific success stories that you'd like to share in addition to that one? Well, um, I can give you a couple other examples of two other projects that are just going gangbusters and are so exciting. Um, in our first round of applications, we funded the uh, Project New Village, which uh, is in San Diego. Um, the, the PI was a community organizer, Diana Moss, who had this passion for bringing urban farming to a very urban um, vulnerable population in San Diego. Uh, Diana Moss is just a, an amazing woman and has used money both from the Dannon Institute um, of North America's projects, as well as leveraged that money to get funds from other foundations with the intent of one increasing growing space in urban areas that that had been abandoned, nothing was happening there, not only to provide community gardens, but actually to train urban people to be urban farmers as a way to increase their income and build, um, build small businesses based on food that they could produce in their own neighborhoods. So Diana has taken little bits of money from lots of places and has built an amazing um, an amazing organization that, that is doing fantastic work for vulnerable populations in San Diego. Um, it's innovative, it's exciting, um, and we think it's impactful because it's helping people directly in the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that story, especially because it brings together so many of our tracks at the World Food Forum, you know, innovation combined with localization and regional work in the communities, gastronomy and food. And I know that you do have a call for proposals out right now and that it doesn't happen every year. So it sounds like a special opportunity. Is that correct? Could you tell us a little more? That's right. It's um, happening every other year. But yeah, we have a call, call for proposals right now. Um, the deadline is June 14th, so there's still a little bit of time, um, and um, it is through the Dana North America. Um, um, uh, the website is www.dannaninstitutena.org. Um, it's actually a, a, a not a very long proposal, so people shouldn't be taken aback by the fact that it's, it's due on, on June 14th. But some of the highlights of the proposal talk about the things that we're looking for is we're looking for innovative projects that can be done. Um, we, we often use the word transdisciplinary, meaning that we want different stakeholders in a community to start talking to each other about some some innovation that they think can improve both the health of the population as well as their community. So often we have, uh, there's, there's a requirement for one academic partner um, that's to help with evaluation as, as well as, as a way, it's an easier way for us to funnel money into the, into the, um, um, into the team. Um, often our teams have um, people that are leading nonprofits 
Um, sometimes they're ag experts, sometimes they're architecture experts, sometimes they're public health experts. The teams, um, often there's extension people. So the teams themselves are really wonderful to see what pe- who, the groups that people um, bring together to, to look at these issues. The other thing that we, we focus on in the RFP is that we want to see proposals that um that we, we where we can make a link to um this idea actually has the potential to benefit nutritional health of people so um you know projects that are very theoretical or um at, at such a high systems level that it's hard to see the connection between um the project and the nutritional health of people are they're discouraged um, but most people are able to make those cases cases very well, as as you as you mentioned, Lindsay. You know, um, work. We have a lot of projects that are working on with um, uh, farmers markets, um, uh, local local farming, um, good food boxes where or uh, community supported assisted agriculture. You know, those projects where you're linking local farms, which are largely producing fruits and vegetables and unprocessed food, for me, that's an easy leap to um, improving the health of, of nutritional health of populations. Yeah. 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 So the projects are funded for two years. Um, so as our, as this initiative has grown, we started with, uh, with fewer projects and less money. We, uh, we, we've been happy enough with it that we've been able to secure some more money and, and have a two year window now. Um, another part of the, um, of the funding is in addition to an award of $50,000 for each team, and we will choose five teams this year. Every team that's awarded also um, is um, really required to spend four days (laughs) together in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, The dates are already scheduled for early October. And this meeting is a combination of training. So we will build on the experts that we have um, on our academic board and our um, Danone board members. Um, and we also draw on the communications expertise that we have through the Danone Food Company to offer training to our community members about how do you amplify <laughs> your, your, your message, which is really important. The other part of that training is we hear over and over that these diverse groups that we bring together in teams from within a community often don't have a lot of real time in community to sit down and just spend with each other to talk through what are you seeing? What do you see the issues? How could we figure this out? And to bring everybody together for a three and a half day training allows each team to really bond with themselves and also provides the opportunity for them to talk with the other teams that are funded. And we really believe it's that sharing of expertise, experience that's very much at the community level that holds a lot of promise for finding innovation, innovative solutions to these, these massive, um, both nutritional problems that the world faces, as well as um, challenges around climate change. 
I love this. And I think that the community-based approach really helps people find and come up with solutions together because oftentimes it's never just one person or one group of people that have the same issue so that they can kind of put it all together. That training sounds incredible. I want to come to that too. (laughs) And I love that you do it only a few years. So you really get to focus on the quality and the impact of the projects and do that instead of quantity. So I would really encourage everyone to apply to this special opportunity. So I have one final question for you. Since the World Food Forum provides a platform and a movement for youth-led action, what do you think the role is of youth in improving sustainability in food production and agri-food systems more generally? Uh, I'd also love to hear about how youth are currently represented in your projects and if you have any wishes, thoughts, or goals regarding youth involvement and engagement in agri-food systems in the future. I, uh, Lindsay, I think youth involvement is probably the most important piece of of getting climate change figured out. Um, as you, as we talked earlier, it's your generation that's really going to be impacted by this. And so I am really inspired um, by seeing young people not only recognize that this is an issue, but rather than feeling powerless, being empowered to say, how can we help um, make an important change. So you, the, 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 the involvement of youth is incredibly important. Um, you know, I would just really encourage that, um, that teams <laughs> include young folks with energy and insights and, um, innovative thoughts that sometimes are missing from, from, from a less young, uh, group of people together. I think the other thing that I certainly see is that communication is a real communication abilities are is a real asset of of youth. And I think when I have seen the communications training that we've done, there's a lot of information and um, important input around social media, podcasts, things that the, the youth are really very skilled at doing as a way to get the message out. So I think the youth particularly have, um, have, have, have an advantage in helping us figure out how to communicate um, findings better. Absolutely. We are always happy to oblige. We love to help. We love to put our energy to good use as youth. And I think I can speak for a lot of us young people when I say that it is our passion and mission to make sure that we're contributing as much as we can, really putting in that energy and innovative solution-based ideas and whatever projects we're a part of to make a gener- you know, to make a difference not only for ourselves, but for generations to come. Well, that's all the questions I have today. So thank you so much, Leslie, for being with us. And I'd love to hear uh, where people could learn more about the Down Institute on your website, on your social media. Would you be so kind as to repeat your website link? Sure. Um, www.denoneinstitutena.org. And you're on social media as well, correct? Um, We are. Okay, great. We will look for you on social media. I will put all of this information in the description and make sure that all of our listeners can follow along and get in touch and update it as well. So thanks again for being here. You're welcome, Lindsay. Nice to talk with you. It was amazing to talk to you too. Bye-bye. 
To learn more about the World Food Forum, you can visit our website at world-food-forum.org and follow us on all social media. To learn more about Kitchen Connection, visit their website, kitchenconnection.org, and follow them on social media. Until next time, this was Food for the Future.